Straw Hut Media. It's no surprise that social media has become a popular topic to discuss in daily conversations. From the newest TikTok trend to that funny video forwarded to you during lunch, it occupies a large chunk of our everyday lives. I never look forward to the notification my phone gets at the end of the week on my daily screen time, and I bet you don't either. Today we hear from model and social media influencer Max Emerson and psychotherapist Matthew Dempsey. Emerson and Dempsey are both social media creators. They share their own struggles with social media consumption, how it affects people's everyday lives, and how the COVID-19 pandemic challenges everything. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. My name is Max Emerson. Um, I am an actor, writer, model, working in social media. Max has worked on several projects throughout his career, but is well known as a social media creator. Before he took the internet by storm, he was a male model. I was with Wilhelmina Models in Miami, and soon after college, the Instagram thing really took off and all the models were going absolutely crazy for it. People in the arts and entertainment community saw an opportunity to grow their fan base through social media. Despite its appeal, Max was not drawn to the internet the way his peers were. Not at first, anyway. Um, I sort of was late to the game. I actually thought it was kind of annoying, but uh, my agent sat me down one day and said, you're under 30 and you model be fucking relevant. You'll be good at this. So I did. I just tre started treating it like a job, making sure I had something to post, a, a little story to tell every single day. And um, very fortunately, it took off. Max is one of the thousands of creators making their mark online. Another, uh, my name is Matt Dempsey, I'm a psychotherapist, is Matt. He runs a private practice and specializes in multicultural and gay men's issues. He uses part of his platform to talk about mental health while also sharing the important moments in his life. But in the growing world of social media, there is the question of how much is too much? I would say the majority of people aren't fully aware of it. You know, I think it's kind of one of those, uh, you know, kind of like those uh, slow burns. So it's just kind of like becoming more and more a part of our everyday life. But, you know, not everybody's fully aware of the impact of it right now. Do you feel obligated to keep feeding this social media monster? Yeah, I've mentioned that I treat it like a job because at this point it really is one of my main jobs. But I see how people who don't actually need it for work feel like they have an obligation to feed into it. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. There, there does kind of feel a little bit of an obligation um, to make sure that I'm really kind of putting something out that is positive and that I also believe in. My general rule of thumb is if I'm not feeling it, I, I don't push myself because otherwise I'm giving something I don't have to give. And then it's not going to be rooted in something authentic it's going to be rooted in more of just kind of people pleasing. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I want to make sure that anytime that I'm offering something, it really comes from my heart. It's really because it's something that I've been thinking about. It's really something that I um, believe in. Social media is tricky. From life updates to hate comments to the newest dance trend, it has its pros and cons. I 
I think there are so many wonderful things about social media and they really do outweigh the bad. It's just our human nature to notice the bad things 10 times harder than the good. Social media for me at least has created such an incredible community and support group and a way of connecting people who have similar ideas. Social media, it's like not good or bad. It's a totally neutral tool and it's wildly dependent on what the intention is for how we're using it. And so it's like, you know, if we're if we're using social media because we're just kind of like numbing out and, you know, we're kind of doing you know deep dives on things just to help us detach from what's going on and we're doing that excessively, obviously that can be problematic because it's not giving us a chance maybe to be present for whatever the lessons are that we can actually get this year and kind of, you know, learn to confront and tolerate some of the uncomfortable feelings that we're having and, and all that stuff. I've been really just trying to use it as a way of processing, you know, and as a way of me being able to exercise my own voice, the things that I care about, right? And so it's like obviously mental health and, you know, emotional well-being and just trying to understand and put a positive perspective on things. So I've been doing a lot of that processing myself. And then as I've been doing that, I've also just been making little videos of that and sharing that on social media. And I've been realizing not only how much people are really connecting with some of the messages that I'm putting out there, Sharing content is a key part of connecting with people. On Max's social pages, he shares images of his house on the beach, his boyfriend, Andres, and his adorable dog, Sarge. But even sharing what seems superficial can have a deeper impact on someone else's life. You know, I get messages at least weekly of kids that are trying to come out of the closet or have recently come out of the closet. And it's, it's all because of these resources that they now have. It's, it's not just a couple of stereotypes on cable television. They actually can see real people presenting their lives as best they can. Um, you know, and you can fill your entire feed with that. And I think that's a really, really wonderful thing and a resource I wish I had when I was 13 and trying to figure everything out, you know? And sometimes sharing the lowest points of our lives can have just as much of an impact as sharing our highest points. One thing that I think people really get confused often is positivity. Positivity does not mean happiness. And I think that that's an, oftentimes those two things are confused. Positivity means having a positive perspective. It does not mean your emotionality. So being um, very vulnerable with yourself and aware with yourself of where you're at emotionally Right. And there are some days when I'm like, man, I do not feel like I'm doing enough. Man, I do not feel like I'm okay or I feel unlovable or whatever the thing is. Right. And so I kind of really wrestle with that. But there are still ways that I can positively frame that as, okay, obviously I'm really confronting my own shame and my own fears today. This is going to be one of those days. And if I can actually find a way of sharing that with other people to say like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And this is also normal and it's okay because I know that this is an opportunity for me to challenge that, for me to you know, still show up and at least hit a baseline for today and still remind myself that I'm okay. Then I'm able to have really uncomfortable feelings and also be positive at the same time. So that's the that's one point that I want to make around positivity. And if I can be there with it, then I'll offer it. If I feel like I really don't have the strength to do it that day, I won't do it. I don't get hung up myself. I don't get too hung up, I should say. I don't get too hung up on feeling like I need to be consistent and keep pumping out content so that my followers have something. 
I don't do that because I know it would be a disservice to them because it wouldn't 100% be authentic all the time. So I really make sure that I'm checking in with myself first. And then when my cup is full, then the overflow is what everybody else gets. <laughs> Spreading positivity online is a goal for most creators. But for Max, who is managing an account with over a million followers, it can lead to jealousy for Max and his fans. He's creating a brand for himself, and whether he intends for it to happen or not, people will assume things about him. I try not to um, feel like I'm complaining. So for me with social media, I try to just put out the positive aspects and messages because I feel like there's enough negativity in the world as it is. But it's a very fine line between that and coming off as bragging. Because it does seem sometimes that uh, Instagram is a bit of an envy machine. That's part of what is so addictive about it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is really hard to find that balance between just trying not to whine all the time, but also making sure that the, the messaging you're putting out is still grounded and relatable and, and being cognizant of how it lands with people that don't have the same luck that you've had in your life. When you check in to see what your favorite celebrity is having for breakfast every morning on their Instagram story, it can seem like you really know who they are as a person. But does knowing their workout routine and the name of their fish really mean you know the person? I think the main takeaway from social media is to always remember that it's not real. It's what someone is presenting to you. It's what they're choosing to tell you. It's it's selective narrative. It's not the whole picture of something. It's not like when, it's not the real world. And uh, with my work, I always try to find moments at least once a week to throw in elements of magical realism as just a subtle reminder that this is doctored. Because if you make a heavy-handed statement about it or like over Photoshop your pictures or make this big deal about how you don't Photoshop your pictures, I don't think that that gets across in the same way is just showing people that this is all fantasy in a way that's fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it sounds a little weird to say it, but yeah, it's none of this is, is real. And we have to remember that what we're seeing on our screen is not, not necessarily how we're supposed to be living our lives. If I go through your feed, I definitely feel envious, right? Like you live near the beach, you have a beautiful boyfriend, all of these characteristics. I think a lot of people probably feel envious of you and that's not, I'm not criticizing you, that's a, a compliment. But do you find yourself when you're on Instagram, do you feel that same envy that other people feel? You touched on it with, with other things. It's, it's just, it's selling something that people want, whether it's sex or a beautiful boyfriend or a life near the beach with a cute dog. Um, I think those are, those are all just sales tools in some capacity. And so there's certain days where you wake up and it's a little foggy and you, you're trying to figure out like what's really your own life and what you're just putting out there to sell. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all about drawing the line for you personally. One line Max has drawn for himself is lewd content. Um, when I started modeling, my mom asked me very nicely not to do porn, not that there's anything wrong with it. My mom just has a particular preference for me not doing that. So for me, the line has always been no full frontal nudes. With the introduction of OnlyFans, a subscription-based website where you can sell or purchase user-generated content, sex has become even more mainstream, especially in the queer community. 
Celebrities like Tyler Posey and Bella Thorne have even created accounts. <laughs> have I ever wanted to start one? It was, I mean, I've thought about it. I have a lot of friends that do it. And I really, it's, it's like the social media question. There's some things about it that can get a little gross because of the nature of the industry and what it is and that it drives envy and hypersexualizes people. But it gives people so much control over their own lives. And I think that that's such a wonderful thing. Like I have friends that worked in porn 10 years ago that were just getting chewed up by this really predatory industry and system. And the fact that they're able to do it all on their own now and not have to be beholden to anybody. I see pictures of their beautiful houses in the hills and it makes me want to start one. But it just makes me, more than anything, it just makes me happy that it feels like people have, have taken control of their own lives in, in a way. Though the platform is growing in popularity, in a world full of judgment and expectations, starting an OnlyFans still comes with risks. I, I see that there's massive celebrities that have started it, but I still see it as having the same opportunity cost as doing porn. And like I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing porn, but it will hinder your career as an actor, a model, a public figure, if you're trying to do something that's not in that realm. So I've steered away from it just because I have, you know, different aspirations creatively. The news in 2020 was overwhelming. It was an election year. There's a global pandemic and civil unrest in the streets. For those of us lucky enough to be earning a living from home and socially distancing from others, we exist in isolation within our four walls. There's so much that's going on and also we're way more isolated than we've ever been. So of course we're looking to our phones and our computers as a way of trying to stay connected and connect to the world. And then it also just kind of leverages an opportunity for us when we're not aware of it to start overindulging. And we could do that with like news and so of course like Twitter and you know any other social media outlet that's really kind of pumping out all kinds of information in that regard. We start overindulging in that. We start overindulging in all the key players of an election or anything else that's going on. And it becomes this way where it kind of scratches an itch for us, right? Because we're so anxious because we don't know what the outcome of a lot of these things are, are going to be, or at least we didn't for the majority of this year. And that's just an inherently uncomfortable place for us as human beings, because we kind of need to know what to expect in order to feel safe in the world, right? So what we start doing is we're overindulging and just trying to grasp onto the illusion of predictability. And so we just start trying to like come up with more answers, right? Okay, well, he said this, so probably not. The polls are saying this, so this is probably where we're headed, you know? The vaccines, it seems like they're, it's going to come out without you saying, you know? So we just start kind of overindulging in all that stuff. Social media can be consuming without us even realizing it. We can fall into what is called the doom scroll, where you're so consumed by negative news, you fall quickly into a never-ending rabbit hole of negativity. The biggest and the easiest tool, and the one that most people respond to the most is, just helping raise consciousness of it by giving them some psychoeducation and, and to just inform them. Listen, it makes sense that you wanna, you know, kind of do a bit of that doom scrolling, but when it really does get to a point of doom scrolling, that's gonna be excessive. That's actually gonna have a negative impact on you, and here's why. And so, you know, kind of laying it out like I did before, it's sometimes just enough awareness to be like, ah, oh, you're so right. Like that does make sense. Okay. And so some things, some tips that I would give are just like, literally, if you cannot step away from your phone after a certain amount of time, set a timer, like give yourself, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to go ahead and just like, you know, have at it. And then otherwise really like make the conscious effort to step away. 
When we come back, the effect of the pandemic beyond social media, and some tips on how to cope with the current state of the world. Welcome back. Today we're talking to Matthew Dempsey, a psychotherapist, and Max Emerson, a model and social media influencer. Both Matt and Max have successfully balanced creating social content and taking care of their mental health during the pandemic. It wasn't easy, but they have a few tips. Some tips that I would give are just like, literally, if you cannot step away from your phone after a certain amount of time, set a timer. Like give yourself, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to go ahead and just like, you know, have at it. And then otherwise really like make the conscious effort to step away and then do other things. And even if it's still something like, you know, I don't know, switching over to TikTok or something and just getting lost in like a hole of all of these really funny videos, at least that's bringing you some joy and is going to make you laugh. Whether the social media you're consuming is positive or negative, it's good to know your limits. Even if it's wholesome content and not necessarily bad, if it makes you feel bad, it's time for a break. There's plenty of accounts that I compare myself to and feel like I'm not doing as well as, and it's okay, you can just unfollow it or mute it or whatever it is so that they don't see you've unfollowed them, I guess. But it, I think it's totally okay to take a break from things like social media, all of it. Just, I mean, too much causes anxiety. I set timers on my phone that give me an hour a day of social media and then it locks me out like a little kid whose mom has set a password for him. Um, I usually breeze through it. But at least after an hour of being on social media, I have to physically acknowledge that I'm going over my allotted time. And I think that that's been really helpful for me. So I recommend that to anyone at home listening. And for anyone who starts their day with a few hours of Instagram scrolling, it might be time for an alternate morning routine. I used to wake up in the morning, every morning, and I would grab my phone and I would just start immediately going through my emails, going through social media, going through news. That was the first thing that I did. And in my mind, I kind of justified it as, well, this is just kind of an easy, slow way for me to kind of ease into the day. But I'd be on that thing for like a half hour or an hour. I'd be like, what am I doing? And this is, and this is how I'm setting the tone for the rest of my day. And I was kind of feeling anxious. So I had to make a conscious effort to, to make a switch but I knew that I still wanted to do something that would be easy enough for me. So I downloaded a meditation app. I'm not great. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like all Buddha and, you know, really like Zen master or anything, but I do believe in mindfulness practices and meditations. And so I downloaded a meditation app, which was really easy because it gave me an automatic 10 minute guided meditation every morning. So I'd wake up and I'd still grab my phone, but I'd pop on that meditation app. I'd put my earbuds in and I would do that for 10 minutes. And I would really practice on just getting still and centered within myself first. And then I'd get up, I'd do my gratitude journal, I'd have my coffee, like I had my whole morning ritual, but it was really very intentionally set for making sure that I'm taking care of myself first and starting on that note. And then I check my email and then I check social media. So just making sure that we're finding other things that we know that we can still kind of grab onto, but that is actually going to intentionally, consciously work in our favor as opposed to kind of spinning our anxieties even more. For millions of Americans, 2020 was a year full of anxiety, and for good reason. So many people have had their jobs and their lives put on hold, but they're not alone. For Max, when COVID-19 shut down the world, his life was put on hold too. I, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at structuring my own life, but 
without any buoys to swim to, I felt like I was just in the middle of the ocean bobbing around. And I am very, very, very grateful to social media because it, 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 I still had a platform. I was still able to do something, even though we weren't able to really leave the house, except for to go to the beach or on a hike. I used to think like, oh, everyone puts together their perfect life. But since COVID hit, it's like day by day, people's feeds are starting to change. Their Instagram stories are getting very like, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> I'm running out of throwback pictures. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So like, how, how has it affected you? This year, January, February was looking like it was going to be the best year ever. I was on track to do um, an event at the Tokyo Olympics. We had three visits to St. Moritz, Switzerland planned. Uh, I had, I was on option for like the most model jobs I've ever started a year with. It was incredible. And all in the course of two weeks, my entire calendar just emptied. And I was really jealous of my boyfriend for a bit having a real job. He's a, he's a construction cost manager at a consulting firm. And he had something to do every day. He had a group of people that he was depending on him to show up and just a structure and a schedule. Back in March of 2020, Max saw his calendar empty almost overnight. There was so much uncertainty. Everyone just pulled the plug on absolutely everything, whether it was a print shoot or a social partnership, travel deal, whatever it was, gone. Like I, I had videos in the can for a couple clients that were going to coincide with their ad launches. I had some behind the scenes. They let me run around set, just, just terrorizing everybody. But all of it went on hold. Like Even the stuff we'd already made that they'd already paid me for, they're like, just wait. Uh, and slowly but surely, you see things coming back at like maximum security level, locals only kind of things. In the weeks leading up to this interview, Max had seen more job opportunities, but it was still far from normal. You know, like the, the YouTubers and the drag queens are starting to slowly creep back into production and I'm seeing my calendar start to fill up and I have to plan things six weeks ahead again. So it's, it's a really nice feeling to, to see people getting back on track with their projects. Uh, it's not what it was before, but, you know, I think there's, there's, there's something to be said about everyone feeling like they were addicted to stress and not knowing it before this. And being forced to slow down and just do a little bit less in a day, it's been really, really helpful and really, really powerful to a lot of people. But again, I, I think it just depends on how you choose to look at it. So has COVID helped put things into perspective? Or do you feel like it has magnified the mental health issues that are you know, associated with social media, but also with the state of the world? It's really tough. I see it going in both directions. I see a lot of people taking this as a time for growth for focusing on projects that they've always wanted to do. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right here. I think that there's, there's a bit of a dark cloud that's kind of hanging over everybody's head right now. Everyone's sort of at like 70, 80% of their normal selves. And it's weird to see that. I've always been someone that, that I tend to do best when I just need to get through something, like a project or a semester or... Um, whatever it is, I, I, I tend to be at my best during the crisis. And then once it's over and things return to normal, that's when my existential crisis for me kicks in. So um, I can't really speak for anyone else, but I've been able to structure my life in a way that has given me enough purpose to keep going. COVID-19 affected Matt and Max differently. But like all of us, 
They struggled with the realization of not being able to see their families over the holidays. I live in LA, all my family's in Jersey. I haven't seen them all year and it has been really, really difficult. And the idea of even having, and there's also been a lot of other stuff. There's been health issues in my family. So um, I really wanted to be there and of course I can't. Um, and the idea of even having to tell my mom that I wasn't gonna be able to be there is just like heart wrenching for me. One thing that's been helpful for me is just getting to talk about it with my friends, getting to talk about it with like other family members and inevitably just, you know, kind of soothing my own self and normalizing what I'm feeling. And also at the same time too, making the decisions that I know are going to be the healthiest ones and the right ones um, and that it's going to be painful, but those two things can operate at the same time. So if that offers anything to anybody, and there that is. Aside from that, I would say we need to lean on our social supports as much as, as much as we can. So for me, for my family, as I did for Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, I, be, I do Zoom calls. And so me and my family hop on a Zoom and we, you know, it's kind of awkward conversation because it's hard with like, you know, 12 people on a Zoom call to actually have organic conversation. It's not the best, but it's something and how wonderful that we live in a time where that's even an option. Um, so making sure that those Zoom calls are there. Whoever that you have in your household or in, you know, what people are calling your pod, whoever, you know, is kind of that, you know, close-knit group that you actually can see in person, um, make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that you have that in-person contact. It's really, really important for us as human beings to make sure that we have some version of that if we can. In 2020, we lost a lot of social interactions, and maintaining connections with people is more crucial than ever. But so is staying active and getting outside. Max is passionate about sports and outdoor activities. He relies on them during lockdowns as a way to escape reality without scrolling on a screen. But I mean, in general, no matter where I live, it's always exercise. When I was a closeted kid in Redneck, Florida, it was tennis and long distance running if the anxiety was really hitting. So uh, for me, number one, if like things are really, really rough, I go for a run and they're usually not half as bad by the time I'm done with the run. Lifting weights at the gym, there's, a, there's an outdoor gym right outside of our house that's opened back up recently that we'll go to once or twice a week if we really, really feel like we need it. Uh, yoga, we do yoga in the apartment. It's For me, it's 90% exercise. Just getting outside the house. I. I get really claustrophobic. I'm from a small Florida town where we could walk to the beach every day and everyone had a boat and I'm just used to being outside all the time. So that's been the hardest thing for me with COVID. It's just being indoors and not being around people. Finding ways to connect with people and get outside and move around is literally the only core to this right now. At the end of the day, it's really easy to be hard on ourselves and our levels of productivity. But 2020 was hard, and the message to take away is it is perfectly normal to not feel 100%. You know, a client the other day, I was on, uh, I was on a session with them, and he was just like, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing okay. And he's like, just okay? I'm like, listen, it's 2020. Okay is the new thriving. If you're doing okay, you're killing it. So really make sure that you're checking in on your own expectations for yourself. If you can even hit like a 60% functionality this year, you are doing amazing. With a little extra time on his hands, Max created a new quarantine series called Isolation Station and recruited his busy boyfriend to work on the project with him. 
Isolation Station for me was a fun way of kind of expressing all of like the ways that you can make fun at home and distract yourself and just get through this and not make everything so serious all the time. So it was a really fun project to do as a means of like, I, I feel like the best therapy sometimes is just to make fun of yourself for whatever it is that you're going through and that helps you get a little bit more of a perspective. During these hard times, some people just need someone to talk to. If that's the case for you, you can use any of these resources. You can go to like the Trevor Project and there's, um, you know, you can kind of call it, that's obviously a suicide hotline, but they actually have a, a bunch of other resources. If you really go to any of your, uh, like the LGBT center, any kind of, you know, kind of queer centric center that might exist kind of in the area, um, or you're a primary care physician, or you can go to psychologytoday.com and just start asking around. And one last piece of advice. So make sure that you are being really gentle with yourself and what those expectations are. And um, yeah, and otherwise just have fun on TikTok. <laughs> you can find Matthew Dempsey on Instagram at mjdempseypsych and Max Emerson at maxisms. For listening. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. This episode was written by Caitlin McDaniel. so much for supporting the pride podcast it's such a wonderful 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 thing that i want to see more things like in the future so please support them whatever they ask you to do do that thing oh my gosh that's so sweet <laughs> we just got an endorsement i feel like i'm running for president like and subscribe yeah <laughs>